Okay, welcome everyone. Today we will share together communion um, before going into our separate groups. And you know, I was thinking when we gather together, we gather as different people with different things going on in our lives, but we gather together as the family of God before him. And so God is the centre of all that we do. God is the one that we worship. God is the one that we come to meet with. Psalm 146, I think very apt for the things that are going on in our world at the moment, says this. Praise the Lord. Let all that I am praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God with my dying breath. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When they breathe their last, they return to the earth and all their plans die with them. But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose hope is in the Lord their God. He made the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. The Lord loves the godly. The Lord will reign forever. Praise the Lord. Let all that I am praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God with my dying breath. The Lord will reign forever. He will be your God, O Jerusalem, throughout the generations. Praise the Lord. Please be seated. We are continuing to take a look at our vision. If you've been here over the last few weeks, you'll see um, up on the screen the things that we've been looking at, the things that we've talked about already and focused on. And today we will be thinking again a little bit more about who we are, what we aim to do, and how we would like to achieve this. This week we are looking at encouraging and supporting each other as we seek to live our lives in line with what we believe as children of God. And so I'm going to read from the book of Galatians this morning as we think about doing that, why we should do that, the importance of supporting each other. I'm going to be reading from Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfil the law of Christ. If any of you think you are something when you are nothing, you deceive yourselves. Each of you should test your own actions. Then you can take pride in yourselves without comparing yourself to somebody else. For each of you should carry your own load. When I was very little, because it was the 1970s, and I was very little then, there was a programme on television called Cracker Jack, which I used to watch with my sister. Some of you will remember it. Some of you probably won't. 
But it had lots of things in it. It was like a, a mixture of things for children. I can't remember when it was on, but most probably a Saturday morning. These things normally were. I'm sorry? Forgive. It was Friday at five o'clock. Oh, I don't remember that bit. Well, I was only little. <laughs> it's Friday. It's five o'clock. It's Cracker Jack. It was on a Friday. Well, there you go. It was, it was great. Anyway, the thing that I remember, clearly I don't remember that, the thing I remember about Cracker Jack is a game called Double or Drop. Now, this was a game where you got three children up at the front and they stood on these little plinth-type things. Well, they're only that big. And then they got asked various questions um, and they had to answer them. If they got them wrong, they were given a cabbage to hold and if they got them right they were given a number of other items exciting items to hold and as the game went on each person was given more and more and more things to hold until you couldn't see their faces you could just see this big pile of toys and things like that and the odd cabbage if someone happened to get three general knowledge questions wrong and three cabbages they were out Or if they happened to drop one of the items that they were precariously holding, they were also out. And the person who won was the one left with a huge amount of toys and things who had answered the most questions correctly. Then I found it a little bit disappointing because then they'd say, oh, you're the winner. And you'd think, brilliant, they get to keep all those things they're holding, but they didn't. They had to hand those in and they went and picked one item from a selection of toys. Yes. It was disappointing, but you know, it's the way these games go, isn't it? The winner of Double or Drop was the one that could hold the most items without dropping them for the longest amount of time. Or, if you like, the winner was the one who, on their own, could cope with everything that they were given. The questions, the pile of toys, everything. And as a child, I used to love this game. In fact, we used to play it together a lot of the time. We would try holding as many items as we could, pots, pans, cutlery, staplers, toilet roll, anything that was in the house, cabbages, if we had cabbages, whatever was around, precious, breakable things that my mum didn't want us to hold. And the winner was the one who could survive best unaided, who could balance these things, holding everything themselves, because they had proved to be the most successful. And in a way, although it was just a game, double or drop was indicative of how human beings live their lives, and still do. Because even though many of us wouldn't necessarily admit it, when we're able to manage things on our own, when we're able to juggle responsibilities or do lots of things all at once or hold everything in our lives without dropping them, we feel good about it. We feel we've managed We feel we've achieved. We see ourselves as strong, brave, successful. Because we didn't need any help. And we still got through and managed to do what we had to do. And you know, we may not actually deep down think that this is the best way to live. But there's something within us, something within our world, our society, our culture especially, that celebrates this way of living. That sees individual achievement as strong and desirable. If you can do it on your own, make a success of your life, then that's what you need to do and that will be celebrated. We feel good. 
when we've managed huge tasks on our own, even if at times we've been pushed to the limit and it has nearly broken us, if we succeed, we feel that we've done it. Because at the end of the day, our culture is an individual culture. It's very individualistic. What we're able to achieve on our own seems at times far greater than what we're able to achieve in teams and groups. We see it all around us. Success in business, success in entertainment, success in sport holds up the individual as the ultimate prize. Best actor, best actress, always the ultimate prize. Sports personality of the year, not sports team of the year. is always the last one to be given. Because this is how our culture sees success. Individuals making something happen. And you know, in some ways, this was the way that the church in Galatia had started to see things as well. The church in the passage that I read just a few moments ago. They were a church made up of many different people from many different backgrounds and experiences and sectors of society. And they'd all been drawn together because of their belief in Jesus. But due to divisions that had arisen over time, instead of holding together, they'd started to notice the differences in each other. These things which had brought diversity to this small group of people, this small church, they'd started to notice them. And not in a positive or affirming way that would give strength to their diversity, but in a way that created a sense of hierarchy and positions of power where those who knew more or had learned more or experienced more were now deemed to be more spiritual. They were the spiritual ones. And where those who had more or possessed more, they were deemed to be on a different level to those who had very little. So that when people within this small church in Galatia found themselves struggling, instead of gathering around as a family to support each other and get each other through it as God has intended, they found themselves feeling smug when it wasn't them, or looking down on the slip-ups of others because, you know, that's not the type of thing they would do, or ignoring problems and difficulties that people around them were facing. Or, if you like, they found themselves acting as a group of individuals, celebrating individual strengths, individual power, individual spirituality, while leaving those who were deemed weak and less spiritual to struggle along on their own. And so Paul writes this letter, the book of Galatians that we now have in the Bible, in an attempt to address this individualism individualism that had become so divisive within this church, in an attempt to remind the people of God who they really are and where real strength and real spirituality lies. And he does it in various ways throughout the letter, but most obviously in a famous verse which we pick out quite often in chapter 3, where he says to them, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptised into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Or if you like, Paul says, you know, when you came to know Jesus, you became a child of God. You may have come from many different backgrounds and many different experiences, and you may have much differing knowledge. But when you clothed yourselves with Christ, you became children of God, each and every one of you. And this is now your defining character. 
Not what you came into this family with, not all that worldly experience and all those things, but what you were given when you arrived. The title, the name, children of God. In other words, you're all the same. And so now what matters is not what you can do on your own, not those skills which are held high by other people, but how you can function together as God's family here on earth. The strength of the whole is now far more important than the success of the individual. And so Paul goes on to remind them that each of them should not be looking to their own strength as a mark of spirituality, but to the needs of others. He says, carry each other's burdens. If someone falls, restore that person gently. This is real spirituality, not the gifts and skills that you have, not the knowledge that you possess, not the experience that you have attained, not the understanding that you can survive on your own. This is not strength. Instead, strength is in supporting each other, in drawing together. This is success in the kingdom of God. Do you know, in the last church that Simon and I were in, We were there for 15 years, and so we had different ministers come and go. And under one minister who came, there there became this sort of different terms for people. So you were either deemed to be a more spiritual person, or you were deemed to be a more practical person. And at first this started to, you know, be said and come about, and we were like, what's he talking about? And then it became a a little bit of a joke between myself and Simon and, and our friends, because they go, OK, you would be classed as the spiritual one because, you know, you do church work. And Simon, you would be the practical one because you do the technology. And so we joke about this among ourselves. And then it came time for us to move on, for us to come here. And they called us up to the front and they said, we'd like to pray for Kate and Simon for all that they've done, for Kate as the spiritual person and for Simon as the practical person. Well... To our shame, we just both burst out laughing because we'd been laughing about this and joking about it and then they said it in front of everyone. We laughed because it's simply not true for a start. But, you know, we were also laughing because that way of thinking, that way of looking at each other and defining each other in the family of God is ridiculous. There's not groups of people, there's not spiritual and practical. We all have our skills, but it's unacceptable to label people like this. There's no place for things like that among the children of God. Because when we clothe ourselves with Christ, we take on his ways and his character. Every single one of us does. We no longer seek to struggle along on our own with our own skill sets and our own things that we're good at or stand smugly while those around us struggle with different things. We're no longer individuals who celebrate this as strong and successful, even if it nearly kills us at times. We're a family. And so we're called to live as a family just like the people of God were, just like the people of Israel were so long ago, to live as God's family, to look out for each other, to support each other, to encourage each other, to draw alongside when we see struggles and problems and difficulties, to carry each other's burdens, to share the load of carrying that which is too much for us on our own. And when we do that, 
in God's kingdom, this is when we are strong. This is when we are brave. This is when we are successful. When we live in a community that shares the load. This is when we function as God intended us to function. This is when we can call ourselves spiritual. Because if we really long to communicate the love of God and make Jesus known, as we say in our vision, then we can only do this if we're supporting each other, if we're encouraging each other to live in the ways God wants. We can only do this if we are a family together. Now, I've brought with me various items, stones. Some of these stones are big stones, but not very heavy, deceivingly light. And some of them are smaller, perhaps weigh the same, same weight as the heavy ones. All I'd like you to do, as I hand these out, is to take a stone and a pen, which is in there as well. The stone is to represent maybe a burden that you feel you're carrying, something that you're walking around with a weight that's too heavy for you to carry on your own. So you could pick a big stone or you could pick a small stone, whatever you feel is appropriate. And then we're just going to have a few moments as people just think about what they're carrying, what they bring, whether they're sharing these burdens or helping each other in our family. And then I'd like you to write your name on your stone, on your burden. And when we stand to sing the next song, to either bring your burden up to the front or give it to someone else to bring up so that we can hand our burdens here to the table of God. I'd like everyone, if they could, to either give their burden to be carried up or bring it up themselves so that we have all of them up here at the front. Because I don't want you to walk out with your burden. That would be, well, well, that would not be a good service, wouldn't it? So I'm going to hand these round. Please do take and a pen. You don't have to write what your burden is, just your name on it. No one will know what you're carrying. Oh, I probably need one. Before we sing our final hymn, I've got a little story to tell you. It's about a young man who was at the end of his rope and he was groaning in despair and he was saying, Lord, I can't go on. My cross is too much for me to bear. And the Lord said to him, my son, if you can't bear its weight, come with me to the cross room. Then you can exchange your cross for another cross that you can choose. So filled with relief, the young man said, thank you. And he entered the cross room. He mindlessly discarded his heavy cross that he'd been carrying. And he searched for another one that he'd rather carry. He saw many other crosses Some were so large that the tops were not visible to him. And he went in and out of the rows, looking around for one that would be all right for him to carry. And then he spotted a tiny cross at the end of a far walk. And he said, I'd like that one, please. I'd like to carry that one. And the Lord replied, my son, that is the cross that you walked in with. So you can take it if you want. And you know, the passage that we read, it said we should share our burdens. Those things which are too heavy for us to possibly bear. But it also said that we should carry our load. We can't just come to God's family and expect everyone to take our responsibilities. 
We cannot come to God's family and blame everyone else for the things that are going on in our lives. Because we have a responsibility to carry our load. Each of us has a load to carry. Sometimes it will seem very, very heavy and we'll think, can I do this? But we'll know it's our responsibility. Sometimes it will be something we've done and we want to blame other people, but we'll know that we've done it and it's our responsibility. There is a difference between a burden and a load. And we are all called to carry our own load and to share each other's burdens. If we know what we're responsible for and we carry it, and then we look around and share with each other, then we will function as God intended. We have this basket of things which we would like to share. We've offered them to God, but that's not what this passage says. It says to share our burdens. So during the final hymn, I'm going to pass this basket round and invite you to take someone else's burden so that you can pray for them and keep it with you. Don't take your own unless you know what I've said, what God said hasn't really got through. Please take someone else's. And in theory, it should all work out that we get a different stone to carry home with us. If you end up with your own, please swap. So let us take these stones with us and use them to pray, not only for the people we have on the stones, but for each other. And let they be a reminder to us that we are here as children of God to share our burdens together. And may God bless us and keep us and strengthen us and walk with us. Amen. Please be seated.